Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Adam Young, editor of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, and this is The Lead. In this weekly podcast, we highlight some of the big stories impacting Lubbock and the South Plains. I visit with a few of our reporters. We talk a bit about what they're working on and stories they expect to share in the coming days. So let's get started. And we've got Alana Edgem, Alex Driggers, and Matteo Rosilas joining us today. Alana's got some business updates. The cool thing you had in your column this last Sunday, I'll look ahead to this new cat cafe that's coming to Lubbock. Totally out of my wheelhouse, but apparently it's going to be a thing at 84th and Indiana. Uh, what can you tell me about that? Yeah, it's going to be called Nekochan Cat Cafe. I believe I said that correctly. I might not have. But it is going to be the perfect marriage between having a space for people to go and hang out with cats and a divided space where people can try some delicious crepes, some snacks from Japan. The owner is actually half Brazilian and half Japanese. So she's going to be pulling on a lot of her roots to bring something in that's really kind of connected to her roots and also to her experiences. She's been a longtime animal rescuer. She has five cats herself. And she's really looking forward to bringing this to town. It'll be something pretty unique. I believe the closest ones are... Probably in Dallas. There's not a whole lot of cat cafes in Texas yet. So if somebody's a bit concerned about a cat cafe, what, what do you have to say to them to, uh, I guess, uh, um, is, ease their uh, concerns or uh, um, if they're worried about fur in various places, on the food, things like that? Sure. There are two completely separate spaces. It's almost like you have two businesses, but like a glass wall in between. So it's two different rooms. No food ever goes near the cats except for, you know, the food that the cats are supposed to have. There's also going to be a kitten room. It almost works like an adoption center on one side and then a place where you can get food and drinks on the other side. So there's no cross-contamination. The rules on this are very strict. Places that do these are very clean. So this should be a really cool place. They're also hoping to do yoga with cats and painting with cats. As a cat owner, I'm pretty intrigued. I'm also very interested to see cat yoga happen because my cats are ridiculous and that would just be very entertaining to see. But that should be opening later in December or January potentially. And we'll have our first cat cafe in Lubbock. How does one entice a cat to perform yoga? I believe the people are performing yoga, not the cats. Oh, understood. Okay. So the cats are just in the room. Understood. Now, does one bring their own cat to this? No. They have cats that they have rescued or that come from other nonprofit rescue groups. So all of these will be cats that are up for adoption. Understood. Just just a peculiar one to me. But I think it'd be worth checking out. I don't know. Alex, you look a little concerned or puzzled by this? Oh, I, I, uh, no. Not concerned. Um Puzzled, 
maybe slight. I, I guess I just don't really see the appeal. I, I'm not a huge cat guy. I like a cat or two. They're they're good to pet once or twice, and then I, I just I don't know. I, Some I, people find being around animals very relaxing. It's certainly a place I will definitely check out when it opens. Another thing that the owner pointed out was that a lot of college students, maybe they have a cat back home and they're missing them. So this gives them the opportunity to just go and hang out with cats and have a little piece of home. <laughs> Another update you had um, this last weekend was a new coffee shop uh, coming in and also a milk shop, uh, Summer Moon from Austin. Yes. I've never heard of this. What's it about? I hadn't heard of it either until we first started hearing the rumors a couple months ago. And Annie Rice, our photographer, was very excited about this. Uh, the Summer Moon is an Austin-based coffee shop that is really well known for their item called Moon Milk, which appears to be a type of sweet cream that they put into their drinks. Um, Alex actually mentioned that he's a Pretty big fan as well, so... But Alex, uh, being the only one at this table who's had it, was also unable to describe what moon milk tastes like. It, it's a, it's an additive to your latte. You know, it. it I, I think they use the moon milk either as a flavor or as a replacement for steamed milk. It's like the, like you said, sort of a sweet cream. It's really, it really tasty. I mean, it goes down smooth like any other latte. Understood. If that answers your question. It helps. And I also did a little research after you were unable to uh, provide more information. I see, at least on the um, Summer Moon website, they describe it as a blend of seven s secret ingredients. Uh, rich, sweet, creamy goodness is how mm. it's described. But they're also known for their coffee, too. Right? Yes. Um, one of the special things with that are that their beans are roasted in a almost like a an open brick oven type of situation over Texas post oak, I believe. Yes, they, they, their tagline is the wood makes it good. Yeah, so it will be a very interesting business. It's going to be opening kind of in that same area that I've been constantly reporting on with the 114th and slide development near the new hospital section. So it should be a very interesting place. And I know several of the team is pretty excited to go check it out when it opens. Yeah, I, I, I know uh, at least H-E-B has a good like pecan um, essence or pecan flavored coffee that I have often. So I'm kind of curious to see the, uh, the um, oaky um, undertones, oaky notes that this uh, new coffee uh, promises to deliver. And then another story you've got with some punny potential this week is a new ice cream uh, truck that's coming. What, what's it called, Elena? So this new business that is coming to town, I've been putting on a lot of food trucks lately. This one is called Rolling Cones, like the Rolling Stones. As someone who has family that are longtime fans of rock and roll music, growing up listening to that, I'm very excited to see what they have going on. I saw a couple of their photos, and those cones look fantastic. They look like the perfect theme for a sweet tooth, especially when it's 104 degrees outside again. So we should be hearing more about that early next week, hopefully. Understood. I know we've brainstormed some ideas, but satisfaction for, or uh, you know, perhaps getting one of their ice cream cones under my thumb or things like that. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this good potential story and just a new business coming to Lubbock. Yes, I, I always love a great story that just has that wonderful main tale there. And then you just have a great name that's going to make for some great headlines. And then 
Now, Mateo, you're also working on an, uh, one of your continuing development stories uh, that's a little bit heavier over in the South Overton neighborhood, uh, just circling back, refresher, wh where are we at with this proposed student housing development? Yes, yeah, so in July, the PNZ Council uh, Commission actually heard the proposal for the student housing um, development in South Overton, which is going to be 707 beds um, right off of University, off of 14th and 15th Street. Um, so right behind that CVS um, right there. And they heard that and they okayed it. So they gave the initial nod to for an approval to the city council who will be hearing it on Tuesday and they will have the ultimate um, decision making over this. Um, they will have a public hearing where citizens can come out to advocate on where they are for it or where they're against it. Um, some issues that they are or concerns that they have against this um, and they are able to make that public and then this uh, the council will hear it, vote on it, discuss it. And um, so it doesn't require super majority vote. So that's what is kind of different with this one. I know last time um, PNZ item went to city council, it needed a super majority vote. Um, if you don't remember the tech terrorists, um, but this one is different. This one only needs a majority vote. So that's only four council members that need to vote in favor for this, but it will require two votes. So this one on um, next on Tuesday, and then a one later in September. Understood. And, and just like with the issue with the uh, proposed tech, uh, tech terrace um, student housing project, there's some similar concerns from the neighbors. And obviously the neighborhoods are a little different, both uh, surrounding the tech campus. Mm -hmm. But uh, what's the dynamic here? Yeah, so there's still concern about the trash that will be caused, the noise um, that these student housing units normally um, have, as well as the parking issues. The parking is a big one because this one is a little bit different. Um, this one will have almost 160 um, less parking spaces than residents. So that means 160 of these students will have to figure out where to park somewhere else. And of course, right next to this proposed development site is the uh, St. John United Methodist Church, um, whose parking lot is there, but they're concerned that they're going to park there, and which is going to interrupt some Sunday services or even just some um, week day activities. Um, and then, the, of course, the neighborhoods are not as big as some of the South um, Lubbock neighborhoods. So there's not a lot of room for two or three cars to be parking along the street or even going through the street. So that's some of their concerns that they have. And obviously, there are a lot of layers to this and a lot of um, you know, pros and cons and um, debates over um, maintaining the integrity of a neighborhood and concerns from neighbors versus a property owner's rights and need for progress and things like that. So, but going into Tuesday's meeting, we don't have a really good sense of where the council's at. I know you've reached out to a few council members and it seems like some are on the fence, right? Yeah, so they're still trying to decide and we're they're going to land on this issue because of course the council is there to help listen to the citizens and advocate for the citizens, but they also are there to advocate for progress. And that's kind of the overall sense that I got from the last PNC meeting is that these citizens want progress, but they want it to conform to their districts, to their neighborhoods um, and not stick out like a sore thumb. So this one is going to be sitting right, this development is sitting up right next to the historic South Overton district. Um, it's not in it, but it's right next to it. Um, but it's going to be very modern. I think in the story I said, it was like almost brutal architecture. It's just going to stick out like a sore thumb. It's concrete, it's glass, and it doesn't fit the unique architecture of South Overton that they are known for. So it's just, they want to see something that's going to accommodate students, but also fit in the neighborhood. Understood. Another thing that is probably somewhat controversial, in fact, it certainly will be, that the council is going to be most likely um, getting in front of them and I would imagine the coming weeks or months is a proposed marijuana ordinance. Is that right, Alex? That's right, Adam. Um, 
it, it's a it's a citizen initiated ordinance that right now is in the stage of uh, the petition stage. So if you remember um, back a few years ago when we had the sanctuary city abortion ordinance that came before the council and was shot down and then went to a vote, um, that started because of this provision in the city charter that allows citizens to initiate an ordinance um, and, and an election basically to adopt that ordinance. Now, this one is to decriminalize small you know, possession of small amounts of marijuana in the city of Lubbock, four ounces or less specifically. And uh, a group called Freedom Act has been advocating for this. They say that it, it that other cities have done this and that it's been successful in other cities in the state. And so uh, they think it'd be a good thing to do here in Lubbock. But as you mentioned, it will almost certainly be a controversial item um, if they are able to gather enough petition signatures. I mean, there certainly seems to have been a change in the the landscape and just the, the openness of marijuana. Just, just from personal experience, just walking around, running around, I just smell it a lot more just in people's cars or from houses, not just in my neighborhood, but around. So, I mean, what's your read on uh, how, at least I don't know what the vote, but how successful or how uh, these organizers might be in actually getting the you know, number of signatures? You know, it's it's a hard read. Um, I think we traditionally think of Lubbock as being a conservative stronghold with family values and a lot of, you know, people that would um, oppose that type of thing. But I think it might be closer than one would think um, if, if it were to go to an election. But again, right now we're just in the petition stage. So um, the group is gathering petition signatures if they gather enough um, then it will go to the city council for a vote and the city council can either approve it and make it an ordinance or reject it. And if they reject it, then Freedom Act has the ability to send it to an election. Yeah, and obviously that's almost certainly how that would play out, I would imagine. Right. I expect it to be similar to uh, what we saw a couple of years ago with the abortion ordinance. Understanding. So I'm curious to see how that one plays out. Thank you all for joining me today. Thanks, Thank Adam. You. Thank you. There's a lot going on around our community, and we love your story ideas and tips. Please feel free to reach out to me at ayoung at labaconline.com, give me a call, or hit me up on social media. Here's hoping the week ahead brings great news and developments to Lubbock in our area. The lead is produced with the help of the Avalanche Journal's trends and breaking news reporter Mateo Rusilis and photo editor Annie Rice. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to checking back in with you next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.